0: Hey guys and girls, welcome back to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Harry Christians, CEO at Ordina Group. So who is Harry? Well, Harry and I actually met each other I believe back in 2006 or 2007, it was a long time ago. Funnily enough, we bumped into each other at a CPHI event, and I was working for a CDMO at the time. That was uh, very much in the sterile space, and Audena wasn't even born then. It was uh, his the the previous company name, PharmaVise, and I ended up selling Harry <laughs> a capsule filling machine. So, very long time ago, when I was selling. Uh, machinery and services in the CDMO space rather than what I do today. Nevertheless, we have stayed in touch and become friends over the last 15 years or so. So it was my absolute honor to get Harry on the podcast. Harry has been on an incredible kind of entrepreneurial journey in the last seven or eight years or so. And he talks about how The consultancy that he was running ended up pivoting due to regulatory change uh, down the path of becoming a real analytical powerhouse and then ultimately a CDMO with a real focus on development as part of that growth strategy. Harry obviously decided to acquire more businesses and in doing so took on private equity. And he talks really openly about some of the pitfalls and challenges and risks of of bringing a private equity partner on and some of the things that you should be asking if you're considering that, or even if there's a private equity owner of your business, some things just to be aware of. After five acquisitions, I was very curious to hear how um, each one had gone and if things had improved and harry again in a really honest authentic way talks about kind of the the, the theory of MA and buy and build strategy but actually the the challenging kind of realities of integrating uh, businesses and cultures into one vision but also some real tips on how he goes about doing that I know nothing about nanomedicines or nanotechnology, so it was fantastic to have Harry on to share this kind of area, which is a real growing area, uh, given the, I suppose, the uh, prominence in the mRNA vaccine. So again, that is something to to look out for in today's interview. Uh, Amongst other things that we talk about, there's real optimism for CDMOs, as, um, as Harry talks about at the back end. He talks about the kind of funding environment and the continued growth of outsourcing. We also cover lots of ground in Ardena's growth and some of the things that Harry has learned on that journey. Uh, And also just some of the risks of going upstream and downstream when making acquisition uh, targets, where you can almost overstretch beyond your core competence. Honestly, really fascinating conversation and from a guy who I have huge respect for. So I'm really glad that I was able to interview him and bring this to your attention today. So beyond that, as always, thank you for listening to Molecule to Market. We really appreciate all of your feedback and kind comments. If there are any guests that you'd like us to interview in 2023, please let us know, visit Molecule to Market pod um, and send us a message through the website. As always, give us a nice kind rating if you haven't done so far and share this episode with a colleague. So if you're listening to this moment right now, which you should be, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to it, just click share and share it with a colleague. And that's all we ask you to do. Thanks always to my team behind the scenes who pull the podcast together. And I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Harry, welcome to Molecule to Market.
1: Well, thank you for having me here, uh, Ramon.
0: Well, the pleasure is all mine, Harry. You know what I did, Harry, beforehand? I sent, I looked back at my sent items, and it turns out that I sent you a message even before I launched Molecule to Market to ask you to come on this show. So I am, I am persistent, as you know, Harry. And, uh, oh, yes, you are. And so I'm, I'm really pleased that we're finally doing this in our. Uh, you and I have a, have a kind of a, a good story of our history together, but also just um, a fantastic story of Ardena, which we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that, Harry, give our listener a bit of an overview of you. Tell us how you got into the sector and then how you've kind of navigated your career to, to kind of where you are today.
1: Well, m- my name is Harry Christians. Uh, I'm, I'm the CEO of the Ardena Group. I'm 15 15- 58 years old (laughs) i studied at the university in ghent belgium that's where i live and work Um, i have a master in life sciences and a phd in in microbiology and i joined this company uh, in 2004 if i remember well that's more than 18 years ago uh, it was a company called PharmaVice. It um, was a, actually a small regulatory consul- consultancy company. I guess we were only 10 people or so, and still very young and, and less experienced as well than today. Um, but above all, I think we, we were very ambitious and, and, and entrepreneurial.
0: And talk us through the journey then. You know, you and I actually met I think very early on in your PharmaVise career we we met at CPHI I think in 2006 or 2007 a a long time ago and obviously I've I've known you for that length of time and watched your journey so talk us through how PharmaVise then continued to grow and then and then maybe how it ended up being part of 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 the birth of of Ardena five years ago
1: well you know in 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 those early days, um, we were providing regulatory services. And I remember it was the time also when when actually a, a, a new European uh, legislation was was introduced. And um, I remember they uh, or we were asked to um, uh, to execute a lot of gap analysis on old regulatory dossiers. And when we were executing these analyses, we, we found out that many of these dossiers were not meeting the new quality standards. And so we were advising customers on how they uh, should adopt to the new legislation. <laughs> Uh, and, and we found out that a, a lot of work, a lot of lab work uh, needed to be executed. Uh, just to give you an example, in, in many of these old dossiers, uh, you could find um, methods like thin layer chromatography. Yeah? Um, and this was no, no longer accepted. Um, so they had to be replaced by HPLC methods. So we were advising our customers on the development of new methods, new HPLC methods, and they came back to us and said, you know, we don't have time to do this. We're working on new drugs. Um, Why don't you do it? Why don't you help us developing these methods? But we didn't have a lab. (laughs) So we said, well, you know, um, maybe we should, Um, establish a lab and that's when we decided to actually transform our business away from consultancy into drug products and analytical development and later on on also into manufacturing so in 2006 because that was the year you referred to um, we started to build like a CDMO business avant la lettre. Um, and we finally decided to make a, a big investment in, um, in a development and a manufacturing plant. So we built it from scratch. Uh, it was a big investment for a small company. And to our surprise, we, we got even GMP certified fairly quickly. And we grow the CDMO business, and I guess by 2010 or so, we we got break even and started selling our services to an emerging biotech industry. And so that was the early start, you could say, of of Ardina.
0: Did you, if if you reflect back, Harry, now, did you were you aware of, I suppose, the the general growth? in outsourcing in terms of pharma and biotech. So I'm guessing, because obviously when you're investing in laboratories, especially when you're investing in manufacturing equipment, it's a it's capital intensive, as, as you know. So I presume you, you kind of had a feel for, hey, this market is going in the in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I, I think we we, we we recognized that there was um, um, a shift of innovation away from big pharma, towards smaller biotech players um, who outsource a significant part of their development budget, um, more more than Big Pharma does. And um, I think we had the right vision. Uh, So we um, were selling our drug development and manufacturing services uh, to these uh, biotech players and uh, finally became quite successful. Um, By 2013, uh, I I think we were running full capacity. So only eight years later, um, we found out that we were in need of extra capacity. And it's actually also the time where we started evaluating future options and uh, finally decided, Uh, to sell part of our shares to to private equity and and to start a a buy and build strategy.
0: I remember around that time, I'm guessing, you sent me an email or picked up the phone and said, we're going to be bringing together a few companies and creating something completely new. (laughs) I'm not sure if you remember that conversation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I remember very well. (laughs) Um, We turned indeed to remarketing. To your company um, and ask you to create a, a new brand which finally um, became the uh, the Ardena brand so um, you you helped us in, in in marketing the the new entity and and I remember very well uh, the launch of that that brand um, uh, Raman um, it, it was on October 24th, 2017. <laughs> at the CPI trade show in Frankfurt, uh, so about five years ago. And I also remember it didn't feel comfortable uh, because, um, yeah, we, we turned our backs to on, on the old names, uh, being PharmaVice and Crystallix at that time, um, because Ardena was born from the merger of my company, PharmaVice, and the solid-state research company, Crystallix. Uh, so we gave up our identities and, yeah, uh, embarked on a rather unknown adventure <laughs> under the new brand, Ardina. <laughs> um, and I also remember that um, in, in the beginning there, there were many discussions um, about many big things and, and, and small things as well. Uh, there, there were not many things left unsaid or, or unspoken. Uh, but f- we finally agreed on on a mission and a vision and an organization, and then be- be- began this uh, ambitious journey to to become um, a-, a leading uh, CDMO um, uh, called Ardina. Give our
0: listener just give our listener a, an idea of the scale of Ardina today and. My question relating to the scale it is today was whether or not you envisaged our dinner would become the size and scale it is today. But before you answer that question, you know give our listener a bit about you know the, the size of the business and the scale of, of where you are.
1: Today we're um, um, about 530 people and we are operating from uh, six sites in, in Europe. Uh, so we're headquartered in, in Belgium. Um, that's uh, In Belgium, we have uh, one of our pharmaceutical plants where we produce uh, early phase uh, clinical supplies. Uh, we have two sites in the Netherlands. Um, in the north of the Netherlands, we have our bioanalytical lab. And southeast, we have... Uh, one of our chemical plants based in Oz, that's where we can produce uh, small molecules, so the active ingredients up to, let's say, 50 kilograms. Uh, We have another pharmaceutical plant in in Spain, uh, in Pamplona, and we have another chemical plant in um, Sweden, uh, in Södertalje, close to Stockholm. So within the group, we have two chemical plants and two pharmaceutical plants, and and on top, of course, we have the analytical labs, uh, product analytical labs, as well as uh, one one bio lab.
0: And did you envisage, you know, from from when Crystallix and PharmaVise became Ardena five years ago, did you envisage that the company would grow? at that velocity. And we're going to come on to talk about that journey, but do, do you kind of have to pinch yourself a little bit? You know, as someone that's grown his business, I look at your growth and I am incredibly astounded by it. Obviously very proud that we played a part in that journey and alongside you, Harry, but I'd love to get your take on on how yes. it feels.
1: <laughs> Honestly, we could not envisage. Uh, I I would not have expected to to grow to this size. Uh, you know, you, you develop a strategy, an acquisition strategy, and you begin to look for companies. Um, we were looking mainly for companies that were offering complementary services to to our core business. And you know, it's on paper, it's it's easy. <laughs> but in practice, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. So in. We had, I think, a clear vision. We wanted to um, build this integrated service platform uh, offering um, end-to-end solutions uh, to customers. Uh, so let's say we knew the picture of the puzzle, but not the pieces. And we, we sourced uh, the market extensively uh, for companies, for potential partners and eventually convinced uh, four companies to join the group uh, but it was not easy it was not a walk in the park
0: and i'm gonna i'm gonna come on to ask you more about the acquisitions that you guys have made but before i do that let's talk about the private equity journey that you've been on obviously when ardena was born you were part of a Uh, from memory a a local um private equity group and then you were subsequently purchased by gho which many of our listeners will will know they're a very prominent private equity company how i suppose how is your journey intertwined with the role of the private equity businesses that you've that you've worked with
1: yeah it's, it's of course uh being part of um uh, or, or having private equity as a, as a main shareholder is, is, is very different from running your own company, uh, you can imagine. Uh, private equity always comes with um, um, an investment horizon uh, that it's their business to buy and, and sell companies. On average, private equity stays, uh, let's say, five to six years in a company, and then they want to exit. Um so um well the the, the clock is ticking <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there's a point that private equity hopes to to profitably exit the investment and um if if you only have 5 or 6 years to build the company and to create let's say shareholder value um it's it's putting a lot of pressure on myself as a CEO and 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 of course also the organization and well I learned to deal with that Raman <laughs> <laughs> um, you you learn to deal with with this pressure and um, there's of course there's the monthly reporting huh? the the Ebedar reporting and. As a CEO, you try to motivate your team. Um, you try to to motivate the organization to hit the budget every month, and and that's that's not easy. Um, so you grow, you, you go through thick and thin uh, with your people. Um, businesses go up and down, as you know. Uh, so um, it is different from running your own company, um, but um, I would have never um, reached this business size without private equity. Um, so they were of great help in 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 in, in buying and, and and building the Ardena group.
0: And what makes you've obviously got experience of dealing with a couple of private equity companies. So in your experience, you know, for our listeners that are you know, either CEOs that have, are about to embark on a private equity journey or running a process or for actually, I think the majority of our listeners will potentially be in organizations across the outsourcing space that are either private equity owned or on a on a journey um, to become private equity owned. Is, is, so I suppose two questions. One around, is there anything that you've really learned?
1: Sure. I, I, I think when, when you're looking for an investor uh, when, when you select an investor you, you have to be diligent um, um yeah you, ha- you have to be selective and diligent in your search um be- because i think the wrong investor can sink your business faster than you can can imagine um not all investors are equal um so you have to ask yourself uh, what am i looking for um, First of all, what is my investing horizon? Um, I think you have to be aware that uh, short term or short time investors have have a lower tolerance for risk than investors that uh, um, stay longer with you. And as I said, private equity has a four to six, years four to six years time horizon um, I, w- I would call this a short horizon uh, so you have to realize that these people want to exit after five to six years um, you also have to ask yourself i think how involved um, you want the investors to be in your business um, if are you just looking for a capital provider um, or are you looking for an expert industry partner like GHO? Um, because this really helps to build our business. Um, and 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 finally, also, what, what do you value in your company? Um, is it profit? Um, is it people? Um, so so make sure you you choose an investor. I would say who's aligned with, 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 with your values and, and your beliefs. You're
0: listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. You, you started talking before about the, I suppose, the structure and scale of our data, as you look forward and, you know, at 530 people and the multi-sites European presence, you know, Ardena is a very attractive proposition for, I'm sure, lots of companies because of its, uh, its its, scale. But tell us a bit more about your capabilities and what makes you different. Because my understanding of the business, obviously, is you've got some fantastic Platform technologies and capabilities that just do make you different and, and particularly attractive to uh, emerging biotech companies that like to, like to partner with you?
1: Yeah, well, um, Ardina is a, is a CDMO, uh, but the CDMO with a capital D, a, a true D and a small M. Um, the D of development and the small M of manufacturing. Um, our big focus is on innovative drug development. and I think that's how we differentiate from other companies whose focus is very often on downstream and commercial manufacturing, uh, the, the so-called CMOs with the big M. Um, we're science-led. We're actually managing science. Um, We understand the challenges involved in in early drug development. Um, In early drug development, you you need to be agile. You need to be flexible uh, because the study design is also subject to continuous change. Nothing is carved in stone in the early stages of drug development. So very focused on. Early phase drug development, um, we support mainly small to mid-sized research companies uh, from I would say pre-clinics up to phase 2 or early phase 3. Occasionally we go further downstream and support companies also in late phase, Um, but I would say only when these projects do not require large-scale infrastructure. Um, we are, um, when it comes to manufacturing, we can only manufacture small-scale. Um, we have two chemical plants and two pharmaceutical plants, as I said, um, and we can produce, to give you an idea, up to 100 kilograms of API, of drug substance, and about 60 kilograms of drug product. So that's the size we can we can handle.
0: And know you ever tempted to go and get the big M, so to speak? Is is that something that tempts a business like yours? Because you've got this wonderful heritage and expertise in, I suppose, the science-led part of the business. Are you, you know, when you look at the because you know, presumably there are businesses like that around that if you could attach one of those again coming back to what you said that's the theory is there but the reality is something different but i'm just under, like it'd be great to get your take on whether or not that's something that you sit you know glass of wine in hand think hmm quite fancy getting a cmo to bolt on
1: yeah it's, it's a very good question uh Roman. and i mean going downstream as as we call it uh, makes sense yeah um I would love to have a big manufacturing plant in the group um, but we also recognize that you have to manage this differently um, managing a commercial manufacturing plant is um, um, managing i would say six sigma <laughs> uh, um, it's managing processes um, and I think if we go this way, we will just manage it in a different way. Um, I think it would, would be another division within the Ardena group um, with a dedicated management. Um, so I would have then two divisions, a development division and a manufacturing division. Uh, same counts for, I would say, going upstream and going into drug discovery, for example. If you go into drug discovery, uh, you become more, um, I would say, a research-like company. And also, research is is managed differently, will be managed differently. Uh, If you look at the big guys, um, they have all these services on one platform. But i'm sure they also manage it differently um so it's um it 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 just needs focus just needs proper focus i would say
0: no that's great and you i suppose moving away from what you could acquire and focusing what you have acquired i believe you've done five acquisitions in the in the last few years talk us through what you've learned on that journey i imagine my gut is you probably have got better and better but i want to rewind back to something you said before you said something like you know the theory of MA is one thing but the practicalities and the realities are something very different so on the you know if you if you look at the five acquisitions that you guys have done would you say that you've just improved every single one of them or is it a case that every acquisition has its own slight nuances and quirks and a kind of you could do a hundred of them in the hundredth might be more difficult if, if you understand my question
1: yeah you know they they all have their history and and, and culture um, acqu- acquiring a company is one thing integrating a company is another thing is a uh, is I would say even more challenging uh, what I learned is that you have to show respect um, you have to work hard to understand the company's value, um, n- nurture relationships, and finally try to find um, a, a collective vision. Um, I think my job as a CEO is to, to break down silos between Uh, those companies, the companies we have acquired, and and create a a shared vision uh, that everyone gets excited about. And and that's actually what we did. Um, We have a clear mission today and we have a clear vision. Our mission mission is to uh, bring innovative drugs to patients faster, and we do that as an integrated service provider. So we have an integrated platform of services uh, providing end-to-end solutions to customers. Um, A a typical project at Ardena is a a multi-service project uh, where we take care of the chemical as well as the pharmaceutical development. Uh, So we would start in pre-clinics, characterize the lead candidate, Develop and upscale the API synthesis process. uh, Finally, produce the API under GMP. And then in parallel, we would start developing a stable and effective drug product formulation. Uh, Also, there, develop and upscale the drug manufacturing process. um, Produce the drug product under GMP. Pack, ship, and label to the clinical site. And then in parallel develop all the analytics, the product analytics as well as the bioanalytics and provide the regulatory uh, dossier support. So we have a regulatory team um, who can write the IMPD or, or the IMD dossiers. And I, I think this like one-stop concept is, is highly valued by, by customers uh, because it brings convenience to them. They, they do not have to deal with multiple vendors uh, so we can really act as a one source partner and also we bring together multiple disciplines uh, in, in one development team and as such we can guarantee a smooth and, and and flexible project execution.
0: There's some really wise words I was jotting some notes down uh, you know around the integration piece and I suppose the challenge of bringing together multiple disciplines but ultimately doing so for the benefit of the client which you guys seem to do really well. One thing I wanted to ask you about that's in Arden Arsenal is your capabilities around nano medicines. Now I am not I'm not an expert in this field by any stretch of the imagination. So talk to us about I suppose the capability and why it's why it's well-placed. My understanding of it is it, it, it offers a huge amount of potential for, for future medicines, um, but I, I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination, so I'd love you to talk about that capability and what it might mean for drug developers in the future.
1: Yeah, well, nanotechnology is, is really, um, I would say, at the forefront of, uh, of innovative drug development. Uh, think about the messenger RNA COVID vaccines um, of Moderna and BioNTech, for example, they are produced using nanotechnology. Um, What are nanomedicines? Uh, So nanomedicines are medicines developed using nanotechnology. And basically uh, we are um, loading a carrier, with a drug so we, we're putting a drug on on a carrier and this carrier can be about everything it can be uh, a polymer it can be uh, a metal particle like iron or, 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 or gold particle or it can be a lipid um, so in case of the covid nano vaccines um, messenger RNA is loaded into what is what we call a lipid nanoparticle, and so our is 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 already pioneering for for many years uh, um, different nanotechniques. So we're, we're I think well positioned to, to support the growing numbers of, of, of companies that that are using nanotechnology to develop precision medicines, because it's about developing precision precision medicines, um, I would say um, enabling target, targeted delivery. Uh, because with, with nanotechnology, you can selectively target diseased cells and spare the healthy cells. Yeah, so you you go with your nanoparticle to the disease cells and you try to cure the patient. That's what nanotechnology is doing.
0: And you guys, my understanding at Ardena are very much on the the cutting edge of of this technology in, in utilizing it more. Is it is it is a technology that you guys are seeing more companies asking for or a technology that you are Recommending, uh, maybe a combination of both.
1: It's um, it's a technology with um, a lot of potential. Um, it's an enabling technology, but it's challenging. Yeah, um, the control of of materials in the nanometer size range um, requires not only scientifically demanding uh, manufacturing techniques, but also very performant analytical techniques. Um, should not underestimate the physical chemical characterization of a nanomaterial. And, and on top, there is the regulatory challenge because um, there is no clear global regulatory guidelines for, for nanomedicines. So also here, we try to support our customers and, and navigate them through the, uh, the regulatory guidelines.
0: Which is interesting because If I go back to your story, Harry, of how how PharmaVise started, it was was a regulatory change. Back to the roots now. Yeah, Yeah, it's fascinating. The regulatory change ultimately led to a, a, it's an entrepreneurial story when a client says to you, guys, can you do this? And you kind of think, well, we'll work out (laughs) how to do it, which is what you guys did back in the day. Do you think it's almost history repeating itself in the sense that you know, if this technology becomes a bit more uh, prevalent and prominent in drug development, then there's naturally going to be regulatory uh, involvement, which oh, in definitely. theory, in yep. theory yep. would 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 have you guys very well positioned to then take advantage of that. That might not be the right phrase, take advantage, but you're well positioned to assist clients should that happen in the future.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, we've got another 5 minutes or so. So I want to talk, I mean we've covered so much ground today already in terms of your journey, Harry, the growth of Ardena, the way you guys I suppose differentiate. A couple of kind of future looking things. You know, we're at the start of a new year. We've had a, a you know the the a couple of years of covid. We've had a, a bit of a biotech slowdown in in 2022. What from I suppose from a market perspective, what do you see happening in 2023 from an MA perspective? Not specifically just Ardena, um, but also just do you do you are you envisaging a bit of a slowdown in terms of deal flow in, in the market? And also just any trends. Obviously, we've talked about nano nanotechnology. Any other trends that you guys are seeing or expect to see in, in the next uh, year and year or so, 18 months?
1: Yeah, well, well, first of all, I, I think the, um, the overall R&D funding environment um, remains quite robust. Um, I think if you, if you look at market reports, um, they continue to, to forecast uh, uh, a grow uh, for the CDMO markets between, let's say, 7 to 10% per year over the coming years um so i I think this this grow is is still driven by by a solid r d spend but also still by by an increasing uh outsourcing trend. um this shift of innovation from from big pharma to to biotech uh goes on Um, I don't know how many biotech companies we have in the world, uh, but it must be more than Mm -hmm. Um, 10,000.
0: It's funny, 10,000 was the number. A a previous podcast guest has, I'm sure, has used the figure of 10,000 before. So that's exactly what came to mind. So that's a lot of companies. (laughs) I
1: I believe there's, I I think I read somewhere that there's 8,000 molecules in clinics. Yeah. Mm. Uh, So... Yeah, it makes me say that there are more than ten thousand biotech companies.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. very true. Very true. Uh, and and w- we only supply today four hundred companies, so <laughs> we we still have some um, market share um, to go after. To, to go after, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Which is which is a you know as you guys are you know I think a few years into your ownership as GHO, you know, I was going to ask you about, you know, where next for our dinner. I think presumably just the cycle of PE, um, the, the, I mean, the potential growth, even just with what you mentioned there, you know, if you guys are working with 400 companies and there are 10,000 plus <laughs> potential clients in the world, I presume the, the, the future looks very rosy for our dinner. W- will you continue to organically grow and, and acquire more businesses or, is there a is there a point at which you say, look, we've acquired enough. Let's let's just keep to what we've got and continue to grow organically. I'm always intrigued to know at what point does someone say, right, we've done enough, we've done enough shopping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm I'm first of all I'm confident that we can continue our strong organic growth path, but I have still uh, one dream left, and that's uh, getting boots on the ground uh, in the U.S. Uh, we have a global reach already. We are serving. Uh, U.S. companies and companies in Asia as well. Um, but we do not have operations yet in in the U.S. We are a European-based company and use the European operations, our European sites to uh, service the U.S. customers. And I think it would be great to have also boots on the ground in the U.S., have an operational plan there. It would give us customer proximity. proximity. Um, so our M&A focus is uh, on the US uh, for the time being.
0: Very good, Harry. I'm so glad we <laughs> finally got you on. Um, and for our listener, it took uh, Harry and I having dinner in Ghent a few months ago, where I managed to uh, twist Harry's arm <laughs> to get him <laughs> on the podcast. But um, Harry, I, I, you know, we go back a long time. I consider you a friend, and I'm, uh, I'm. I admire your capabilities and your achievements as a CEO. I'm so pleased to see our Dana going from strength to strength. And yeah, I, long may it continue. You, you're a terrific guy. And I'm, I'm so grateful that our listeners got to h- hear your story. And because I think you're a very humble, understated guy. And yet you have achieved incredible success in our industry. And uh, long, long may it continue.
1: Well, th- thank you, Roman, for having me. It was an honor to be on this podcast. Um, by the way, I still have to read your book. Uh, <laughs> what is was the, Flound- the Floundering
0: Founder? Floundering Founder. That's right, yeah. Harry. You'll, you'll learn lots, I'm sure. We're, that- <laughs> we're all
1: floundering founders, Sir Roman. We all
0: are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as Harry, long as you learn from it, there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Well, exactly. Harry, thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you'd like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for
1: professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international
0: content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise
1: profile, and generate leads in life sciences.